ComC.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 24 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. To better serve the hobby, ComC recently made changes to streamline their services and improve turnaround. They even opened a new building. To learn more about the exciting changes being made at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. We are about six weeks away from the 2021 National Sports Collectors Convention, and I can't wait. I'm excited. I've got my hotel room booked. I am looking forward to getting there and getting a chance to talk with everybody. It's been a long year and a half or in two years since the last national, and I'm looking forward to getting back there. You're probably going to hear quite a bit of content in the coming weeks talking about the national, leading up to the national, giving some tips and hints and tricks and ideas on the best way to approach the national, depending on what your goal is going to be. And so I look forward to, to rolling out kind of our national themed content in the coming weeks. Today, we're going to talk to another collector it's another series or another episode in our series of better know a collector and sometimes in the hobby content game there are people who are well respected and are very popular in certain circles but in the broader sense of the of the world or in the broader sense of the hobby landscape they may not be as known and today's guest eric those back pages is one of those people in my opinion he was well-respected in the hobby. I didn't get a chance to meet him till 2019, and he was already well-known then, well-respected then, but he's just somebody that I hadn't stumbled across. He's probably best known on Twitter and also on YouTube, but in the podcasting landscape, he just wasn't as known. And so I wanted to bring him on, have a conversation about his hobby background why he started a YouTube channel to begin with, what his thoughts are on some of those things, what his thoughts are on the national, and just to learn a little bit more about Eric. But first, I wanted to make sure you were aware that Underdog Collectibles has finally opened their new brick-and-mortar shop. So they're not just doing their online breaks every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night, but now they've got their brand-new shop. It's on the edge of the University of Tennessee campus in the public shopping center area. And so you can go check out their their shop. They've got singles, they've got boxes, and you can even watch their breaks live at the shop. Check them out at udogcollect.com and tell them Waxpack Hero sent you. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on. I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on. You are somewhat of a legend in the hobby for your input, for your presence on social media, for your YouTube channel. And I wanted to take a second to allow my audience to get to meet you and, and learn a little bit more about you. Um, you're known as those back pages in many of those and many of those social media locations and your YouTube channel. Where did those back pages come from? 
Wow, that's a great question. First off, I want to thank you for your kind words and having me on the show. It means a lot. So I get I get this question a lot. Those back pages. Okay. Well, going back about geez, uh, 18 years ago now. Scary to think that it's been that long. I had some uh, non-hobby related stuff happen to me, and it was time for a new username handle, however you want to classify it. And I had been listening to a lot of uh, Bob Dylan music. I'm a big Bob Dylan fan, and one of his one of my favorite songs of his is My Backstage. I was so much older then. I'm younger than that now. It's one of the lines from the song. It's like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to use My Backpages. And, you know, AOL at the time was fairly large. America Online for those of yep. you yep. younger listeners. But, well, lo and behold, My Backpages was taken. Not a shock, really. It's like, hmm. Let me put my own spin on it. And I came up with those back pages. And which, you know, had dual, dual meaning. Like I was, you know, the sports pages were in the back. And back in the day with the newspapers, we used to read the sports section right away. Get the updates on everything. And lo and behold, those back pages was available. And I just started using it on AOL. And then when I started up my uh, YouTube channel, as you mentioned, various message boards, sports card message boards as well. I pretty much try to, you know, <laughs> kind of like Frank's Red Hot. You know, I use that name everywhere. That's a good way to do it. What about your collecting background? How long have you been collecting and how did that all start for you? I am now 50 years old. Born and raised in New York City, in Queens. You know, a, just a few miles, originally a few miles away from Shea Stadium. And grew up a Mets fan. You know, I grew up with essentially, you know, my mom and my dad split when I was real young. I went with my mom, and who was my grandmother's uh, daughter. So it was my grandfather, my grandmother, my grandfather, my mom side of the family raised me. And my grandmother was very encouraging of collecting. I was an only child. I am an only child. I grew up as a latchkey kid, which is probably another term that's lost on today's society. But I would come home and I would have my cards. And this is uh, one thing I, I've told this story many times, but I enjoy telling it. People enjoy hearing it. It's 1980, being a Mets fan. And in 1980, there was Tops. There was Opeachy, but you had to be in Canada. But there was only Tops. So I would get the packs of Tops, chew the gum like any nine-year-old kid, and look through the stacks of cards, the stacks of the, the cards. I would take the Mets out, put them on the side because in your nine Mets fan, that's your team. Everyone else is irrelevant at that age. <laughs> I would take the rest and down the hallway, I would, I would slide, you know, I would spread them out down the hallway, a, a wood floor hallway, and I would run down the hallway and slide on them to practice my little league slides. 
So they made for good like dirt on the floor. Now, who knows how many Ricky Henderson rookies are in there or Ryan's? No idea because at nine, irrelevant. So yeah, you just you just wanted to, to slide easier down exactly. that hallway. Yeah, it was fun because, you know, when you're nine, you do silly things, especially when you're unsupervised. <laughs> yep. so, so, you know, that that, you know, and then, like I said, this is 1980. And then in 1981, Don Rose and Fleer came around. It's like, oh, wow, more cards. So more cards. And around that time, also started to get into the comics a little bit, probably more around uh, 12, 13 years old, which was encouraged, you know, by this, by that time, my mom had passed on and I was with my grandmother and grandfather full time, you know, comics. Oh, that's encouraging reading. So, you know, my grandmother was all for it. If it was encouraging me to read, go for it. So, you know, and that blossomed. And then that was, you know, 83, 84. And then by, I would say by 85, 1985, late 1985, you know, you, you, you get back in the day, you would get an allowance, you know, and it would only go so far. So cards were still coming out, you know, by 1986, sport flicks was coming out, everything was coming out. So I really had to make a choice. Like I couldn't really, my allowance, you know, cutting lawns, shoveling snow and my allowance really wasn't going to enable me to still do the comics and the cards. So I, at that point I had to make a choice. So I chose cards and that, you know, that blossomed into going to the local, you know, in 1987, going to the, they they had opened a mall and there was a card and comic shop that had both they had the two booths one side was all cards one side was all comics so i started hanging out there a lot that led to me being offered hey you want to work here so yeah hey <laughs> i want to work here so i was with them that was in 88 89 was that your first was- job um, no, I had a couple other jobs like Kentucky fried chicken, okay. uh, supermarket stocking shelf type of thing. Your, your typical, you know, eighties teenagers jobs. Sure. But this was the first job that I was really excited about because mm-hmm. I was selling cards. So I was, I was there from late 88 until 95 ish. No, 97. Yeah. 95 ish. And then it was time to move on and it was around 97 was when my first retirement doing the air quotes thing retirement from cards like many of us have had it's like i stepped away from cards you know other you know other focuses became more important wink wink if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so then around 2003 I was engaged and my fiance unfortunately had gotten sick with uh, cancer. So I had, you know, I was spending a lot of time, you know, assisting her and dabbling a little bit on eBay. So it's like being a Mets fan is like, oh, David Wright. Everyone's talking about David Wright, 2003. 
And I was like, oh, well, let me, let me, you know, I'm bored. You know, I'm not bored, but, you know, I have a lot of free time. I'm on the internet. Let me check eBay. It's like, oh, wow, David Wright rookies. Uh, well, you know, his, his 2002 Bowman Chrome autos. You know, the raw copies were, you know, base autos were like 40, 50 bucks a piece. It's like, all right, well, let me get a couple of these. No, oh, Pools is good. Let me Pools upper deck rookies were three bucks each. So, all right, let me get a couple of these. And I, you know, I got those and then I put them away. You know, I did. My fiance unfortunately passed on, had to move in 2005, moved. And in the course of moving, I was handling all my product, like cards I had not even thought about in years. I was touching, sorting shifting around i started getting into the cards again and this was 2005 it's like all right well let me see let me get some more david rights ebay boom and i remember this very vividly a 2002 bowman heritage david wright black box rookie the parallel three four dollars look at ebay oh it's mint yeah three bucks i went it i think at the time shipping was two bucks maybe comes in it's got a, a ding corner it's got messed up it's it's not in good shape essentially definitely not mint definitely not mint correct so i i, I write the seller i say hey it's not mint you didn't you didn't blah 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 blah. okay just send it back i'll give you your money back that happens four or five more times different sellers it's like man this is annoying like you're getting but eric you're getting your money back yeah i know but it's not about the four or five dollars. It's about having the card. You know, I can go and make another four or five dollars. Now this card is gone. As time goes by, David Wright's getting better. So you're not getting them for three bucks anymore. So that led me to like looking into, I know the hot topic in the room, graded cards. And I know a lot of people don't like graded cards. And I, I see both sides of the fence having done this for a long time. But I started doing more research because, you know, it's the internet. Started looking on eBay. It's like, oh, wow. And now when I had left in 97-ish, early 98, graded cards were super, super expensive. Like, super. That, that's all I remember. Like, cause, like, like, I know that the PSA had started in 91, but I didn't really pay any attention. So... Upon my return in 05, it's like, wow, look at this. There must have been some kind of correction while I was away. You know, because you're talking about seven, eight years. And I said, well, let me look. Let me look at a Griffey Upper Deck rookie. And I start looking at Griffey Upper Deck rookies. All right, PSA 10, $200. It's like, man, that's a lot of money, $200 for me. PSA nine, $50. It's like, all right, let me think. So I start doing more look and looking into it. And, you know, with me and myself, I'm a huge fan of buying the card, not the assigned grade. Sure. And to me, if you take a nine and a 10 and you put them at arm's length, other than centering, you're not going to know the difference. And honestly, centering is probably that subjective anyway. 
So I said to myself, I can buy the $200 10 or I can buy the $50 nine and then use that $150 to buy other cards I want to own because my main objective is to collect. You know, I want to have these cards. So what I did was I wound up buying the, the Griffey nine and then I took that $150 and I bought a Ricky Henderson nine. Okay. So I was able to get a, a, an upper deck Griffey Henderson rookie and a tops, I mean, upper deck uh, Griffey nine and a tops Henderson, which is only tops rookie nine, both for $200. And okay. I was happy. So that led me down to, you know, just continuing that road. And then obviously the older, the further you back you go, I'd rather just have the card. I'm not really super, like, I'm not going to own a PSA 9 now, 51 Bowman rookie. You just adjust over time. And I've been a pretty much on and off, but pretty much on since 2005 collecting graded cards. So the kind of the, the impetus of your current focus on graded cards started because you weren't happy with the level of accuracy, I guess, in the eBay descriptions of things that you were buying by mail. And that gave you more confidence. That makes sense to me. I can see why that would be one of those, those focuses. Do you ever pursue raw cards? You know, if you're buying a, buying something in person where you're able to examine it, or do you ever collect raw cards as well? Or do you at this point just stick to, to graded? I do stick. No, no, I do buy raw cards. I mean, I have a personal price point threshold where I'm more comfortable, especially on the internet, purchasing it already graded. Now I understand the pitfalls of grading in and out. There's nobody, Oh, you don't know this. I know all of that stuff. That's fine. But my other main thing is that let's say, you know, let's use yourself and I as an example, I am the buyer and you are the seller. It is your job, especially if you are selling, you know, if you're an eBay seller, it's not a part-time gig where you have top five or 10 listings, you have hundreds, if not more listings going auction style, whatever it may be. It is. And again, this is not a slide on you, just using you and myself as an example. You as the eBay seller, it's your job to get as much money as possible for your item. Me as the buyer, I want to get it as cheap as possible. That's human nature, both sides. I see third-party grading as a, essentially as a vessel to get it from you to me. Like I said with the David Wright car, oh, yeah, it's mint. No, it's not mint when it comes in. Well, in my opinion, it was mint. Well, that's where the third-party thing comes in. So if I'm buying, for example a PSA six on the internet and it comes in, I'm not expecting it to be mint type of thing. So it acts as a vessel to get it from point A, the seller to point B, the buyer. But I, I will buy raw cards, but like I said, you know, I have, you know, in person, much easier, much, much easier, but let's be honest. Most of us buy our stuff on the internet, you know, eBay, Twitter, Facebook, Craigslist, anywhere. So 98.7% of the time you're buying stuff on the internet. 
So it's a, it's a lot more difficult. So it's, it, it, it works both ways because it's great that everyone has access 24 seven, but that also leads to scams and everything else. Sure. So what, uh, what types of cards are you currently focused on? What, what, do you have any projects that are underway, collecting well, projects, things like that? Or where, where would you say your current collecting focus is? Um, well, my main focus has been for the last 16 years is graded rookie cards okay. of all sports. You know, it started out with baseball, then it, you know, filled it spilled over to football, basketball, hockey, even got some soccer. I don't have some wrestling, stuff like that. I mean, it, it's just the nature of just doing this for a long time. It's like, all right, right. And I'm big on, all right, I have that. Now what type like, not, all right, next, you know, yep. got it, got it, need it type of thing. So when I do own something, I tend to, not obviously don't pursue it anymore but and i don't want to say don't pay attention to it but i tend not to like look at what the price is anymore because i have that item i wanted to own that item i own that item now now i want to see what i what else i'm wanting so i go through phases like one of my big things is that and i obviously did not coin this phrase but you know i am a jack of all trades master of none and my my biggest thing i tell people is to focus 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 and i have horrible horrible focus that's funny yeah i'm just and i'm self-admitted i'm horrible at it but uh currently now uh, since you asked and i'll share with you guys i am in a phase now where i'm starting to and this will sound funny for those of you that know me for a long time probably since the first time since 2008 short of some dabbling here and there prospect cards essentially the unsigned versions okay so you know and again it's you know i really like wander franco now will he turn out to be anything who the heck knows nobody knows tomorrow never you know as the beatles said tomorrow never knows so but it's fun and it's and it's well since i don't hunt tens it's I'm doing the air quotes thing again it's cheaper so you were collecting you had your break with collecting you came back to collecting you started to get your focus your preference for graded all of that type of thing came out and and came up at what point did the idea for a youtube channel come out you know at what point did you decide that sharing that collection that you're building was something that you wanted to start doing that's a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. So must have been, it was probably honestly about four years. Geez, 2017 is four years ago now, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> That's time scary. Flies. Yeah. So about this time a year, four years ago, I was, you know, on one of the more popular message boards, probably the most popular message board. They don't need any advertising. So, but a friend of mine, who was kind of like a casual friend of mine posted on there. It's like, Hey, I made this YouTube video. I don't even remember what the topic was, but Hey, I posted this YouTube video and he put a link in the, in the, the on the message board. It's like for, for what being bored or whatnot, I clicked on it. So I watched it. It was entertaining. 
It's like, oh, wow. Now, I had had a YouTube channel, the same one, back in 2006, 2007. And I had published, you know, maybe half a dozen videos or so, maybe 10. But I fell out with it. It just, for some reason, I just stopped. You know how I just stopped. But then when I watched my friend Mike's video, you know, yeah, shot in the dark. If, if you're meeting someone new in the hobby, you just call him Mike. You've got a good <laughs> shot at that being their name. So, yeah, Mike and yeah. a baseball card collector. You know, yes. those are yeah. the two things, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you have a good shot. If you have to guess someone's name, you say Mike. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. I was like, all right. So I enjoyed his video. It's like, and then I remembered I used to make videos. I could, I could do this. And this was, it was my current incarnation of the channel was uh, May, April, I don't remember, I'm sorry, August 2017, someday, the pilot episode, it's in there, August something, 2017. So I was like, all right, let me just do a short, quick intro. And I thought this could be fun. Let me, let me, you know, share my knowledge, like put it out there to, you know, hey, get it out there. And, you know, and the big thing is like going to the show, the national and talking to fellow collectors. And this is my big, big thing. One of, well, <laughs> one of my big things I would have, I was, I would be fortunate enough to have people come up to me as like, Hey, I watch your channel. I enjoy it. Thank you. Very humbling. Very, very humbling. Cause I'm just some, dude from New York. So, but I would ask them in turn, and this is one of my favorite stories to tell. I had a gentleman come up to me with his wife and he was holding his youngest daughter. And I believe had his wife was pushing a stroller with a younger child. It might've been a son. And he said, Hey, Eric, they they come in. It's funny because they come up to me and they say, hey, Eric, and I don't know. These, I say, hey, I don't recognize it. Yeah, you don't know me. I just watched the channel. And they, they yada, yada, yada. It's a usual conversation. And I said, hey, hey, are you making, are you on YouTube? Are you making content? And he's, no, no, I'm not. And I said, why not? Uh, you know, I'm a little. I'm, I'm timid. It's not for me. I don't talk well. I said, look, this is what you have to do. You have to make videos. Even if you make the videos and you keep them private, make the, because once it's on YouTube, it's on YouTube forever. Once it's on the internet, it's on the internet forever, no matter, well, short of whatever. But for the, you know, 98% of the time, it's always a, but the big picture is, it's like, especially, you know, maybe for your listeners and anyone else, if you have children, if you have loved ones, if you have husband, wife, significant other, uh, friends, if you talk to anybody, make YouTube videos. It's free. It's easy. You need a smartphone and an internet connection. You don't need fancy. You don't need graphics. I mean, 
another thing is you're not going to get YouTube famous doing sports card videos. So <laughs> people need to forget about that. You don't do videos to make money. You do videos to get your stuff out there to share your knowledge. But most, most important, and the premise of the story is you're doing these videos to get yourself on the internet for when you're not here anymore. In the background of, of several of your videos, you've got kind of a backdrop or a sign that says, you matter, share your knowledge. And it sounds like what th that sign is kind of what you're getting at with the, the story that you just told, right? And that impetus. So yes. is, that, is that probably the primary reason that you're doing it is, is because, like you said, you want to get that knowledge out there. You're one collector. You're, right. you're one piece of knowledge or you're one part of the overall story right. of cards mm -hmm. but your story is one that we want to tell right and my story right. is one that i want to tell and exactly. all of us as collectors have a story to tell exactly now and again it's kind of like a polar opposite 180 when we were kids oh i know this guy's going to be good i'm just going to buy them all i'm not going to tell anybody that doesn't really help the community at all right you know that that might be good for you in the, in the short run but it's not helping your fellow collector. It's not helping in the big picture. And the, the back to the point with the, the man with his child in arm and his wife with the stroller, and this is important, is like I said, I said to him, I said to him flat out, what happens, you know, something happens to you next week and you're not here anymore. You've got these videos where your children and their children can go to the internet and say, oh, this is what, what grandpa loves. This is what poppy loved to do. You know, and I think it's important, especially as, as guys, it's important to have this stuff out there that we absolutely love and have access. Anybody with the internet can go at any time. Now, see, I lost my mom when I was 10. And I can't remember what she sounds like. I can remember what she looks like, but mainly from photos but today, with the everything, you can go and, you know, we've lost guys in the community that are no longer with us. And they have videos. And they, people can go, their families, whoever can go and watch those videos. And it's always going to be there. So I think that is super, super important. And I get, I get how difficult it is. It's hard. It's, I'm not saying it's super, it's easy for me to say it's easy to make videos because I like anything else, you do it enough times, it becomes second nature. But it is just so important to have to put yourself out there. You know, that's just my personal opinion on that. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think you, you touched on something else as well. And that's that aspect of community, right? You're mm -hmm. building this to share our knowledge with the community of fellow collectors and one of the the best places that we've we've got to do that and to build community and enjoy some of these things in person not just on the internet is the national and we didn't have a national in 2020 because of covid it looks like by all indications we are going to have a national again in 2021 and so i wanted to kind of wrap up our conversation today by just spending a little bit of time talking about the national kind of what it means to you, what it means to me, um, and what you're excited about coming into the, the 2021 National. Um, 
my first national was 2019, no, 2018 in Chicago. I was just there for one day. That was Cleveland. I'm sorry. Then 2017. Yes. Yes. And then 2019 was back in Chicago. And that was the first time that I had a chance to go for multiple days. And, um, you and I actually met, although we didn't really, I didn't know who you were at that time. Um, and it was a very brief in passing, um, conversation at the tops dinner that they had, but I know you're a veteran of the national. What does the national mean to you? The national, it means everything to me. It's, it's a, it's, it's essentially, I can't, all right, let me, without I'll try not to ramble on too long, but all right. So you take your local show, right? Your local card show, no matter, you know, oh, it's this it's Dallas, forget Dallas, because that's pretty big now. But your local card show is like a like a spring training game, maybe, you know, first week of the season. The national is the World Series. It is the Super Bowl, where uh, it, it is everything it is the place where you go where everybody excuse me are 99.9 percent of the people in the room know why you're there they you can say that's 88 tops and you know they don't look at you like you have five heads <laughs> they you know everybody has this, the common denominator in the room the the mood is usually very good it's very nice to put faces two names and the beautiful thing about youtube is it makes it just so easy like i met friends i've my first national was 2010 in baltimore it was a spare of the moment thing i took a bus from new york city at midnight and i got there saturday wee hours in the morning I stayed with some friends in the hotel room. I crashed on the floor. I went to the show Saturday and then I had to leave Saturday night. And then at that show, I was like, this is for me. I'm going every year. And obviously there was not one last year, but I've been fortunate enough to go every year since 2010. And the, like I said, with YouTube by 2019, I was, more recognized on YouTube and it just made things easier. I had met friends that I had met through YouTube that I had never met in person. But when I saw them at the show, my friend Andy, I went up to Andy, gave him a like there was no awkward because you see these people on YouTube all the time. So it's not like meeting, I guess technically still on YouTube, you're a stranger, but it's not like like meeting somebody on Twitter that doesn't you know, has a, a, a bird or an egg as a, as a, as an avatar. So, you know, the, the, the awkwardness goes away when you, you, you watch somebody's content all the time and you interact with them in the comment section type of thing. So that the, the national is not, you cannot describe it to someone who's not been because it's going to be, overwhelming and even to me to this day my first day there i get there i walk on the floor i was like oh yeah you just walk into that room and it's immense 
Yeah. I, th- I think for me, what's one of those similar things, um, the big difference for me from 2017 to 2019 was in 2017, I was only about a year and a half back into collecting. I didn't mm-hmm. have that online community, but in 2019, I had started to build friends with some other um, bloggers, some other mm-hmm. folks that had websites and podcasts and video shows and things like that. And so I was able to, like you said, meet some of those people face to face for the first time that I had only interacted with online. And that right. just added such a, a different dimension to the event. It wasn't just about the cards at that point. It was about the cards and the hobby family that yep. you had built yep. and coming together as one and combining both those two things into the same event is, is pretty awesome. Yeah, a friend of mine years ago coined the phrase family reunion. Yep. Because we all get together once a year at this place, and it's like a family reunion. (laughs) Well, I am looking forward to the opportunity to do that again here in Chicago. With me being in central Illinois, it's it's always nice that it's just a couple hours up the road. Uh, I don't have to worry about coordinating flights and some of those other things. Uh, It's a little bit easier for me, but I'm definitely looking forward to to getting back up to Rosemont here in the the end of July. Oh, yes. Well, Eric, anything else that you want to uh, share with the the audience here? We'll definitely have to have you back on again. We just kind of scratched the surface on on your background and and your presence on YouTube and that type of thing. I'm sure we'll be able to get you back on to have a more... Um, specific conversation on a, on a specific topic at some point, but anything else that you want to share um, before we go today? I just want to thank everyone for taking the time out to listen. I mean, that it's, it means a lot to me to be on the show and it means a lot to me to have you guys, you know, share your knowledge to keep learning. And most importantly, remember that you matter. Tell everybody else again, where they can find your stuff. Uh, I'm on YouTube, those back pages. I'm on Twitter, those back pages. I mean, pretty much everywhere. If if you, I, I guess even if you Google those back pages, I'll probably show up other places. So, but, but yeah, I mean, and again, if probably the easiest way to reach me is on Twitter, you know, give me a follow or whatnot and say, hey, you know, I have a question. Always, always happy to ask, answer questions and the, the best I can and just promoting learning and sharing, like I said, sharing knowledge. Very cool. Well, thanks again, Eric. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. The sports card shop at MoCo is your small town local shop with a global reach conveniently located in new Buffalo, Michigan. We're an easy drive for most residents in Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, and Ohio. Come see us every Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 5 and Sundays from 12 to 5. Want to shop from the comfort of your home? Give us a call at 269-469-0140 or visit our website at thesportscardshopatmoco.com or our Facebook page. Major credit cards and PayPal accepted and we ship anywhere in the world. We're an authorized dealer for both Panini and Tops with new sealed wax from both arriving weekly. And yes, we have PSA and SGC graded cards and over a quarter of a million singles in stock. Be sure to follow us and turn on notifications for posts to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter so you don't miss out on new arrivals. The Goetcher family has been serving this community for over a decade. So stop by or visit us at the sportscardshop at moco.com. 
Thanks again to Eric for coming on today. I just really enjoy having these conversations with other collectors, letting their personalities come through, giving you a chance to maybe be introduced to somebody that you had not known before. I definitely encourage you to check out his YouTube channel at those back pages, follow him on Twitter, and uh, just start to, to consume some of the, the content and information that he is sharing. He's got a lot of it. Let me know what you think about the show today by reaching out at, by email at waxpackhero at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at TheMikeSummer, and you can search for me as WaxPackHero on Instagram, on TikTok, and a variety of other social locations. Leave me a rating and review. I'd really appreciate it. And most of all, tell a friend about the show. Help spread the word and help more people find it. I would really appreciate that as well. That's all I've got for you today, so I'll catch you next time.